Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode 45 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. How's everyone doing during this isolation time? Toronto is starting to reopen some retail and services, but it'll be a while before we can enjoy live concerts and theater and film and television can begin shooting again. As an introvert, I've been thriving. (laughs) I love my alone time. And I've been so productive these last couple months preparing content for you all. It's been great to connect in the Sing Dance Act Thrive Facebook group. If you haven't already, please join us at dianefoy.com slash Facebook, as I'm planning some great free content that will only be available inside the group. Facebook groups is where it's at these days. Today's guest is someone I connected with inside a Facebook group. Jennifer Pilek is a performing artist and coach from Vancouver, Canada. She's a multidisciplinary performer with over 15 years professional experience in comedy improv, musical theater, musical improv, experimental physical theater, singing, voice acting, and TV, film, and commercials. She has trained and performed at improv theaters and festivals across North America, founded the group Off Key Musical Improv, co-wrote the Ovation Award-nominated Connected, the musical, and has most notably performed in local theater productions as Marcy in Dogfight and Maureen in Rent. I love Rent. She recently created and performed in an experimental musical theater piece about the inner voices in her head called Inside Voices, a musical in the key of P for the Vancouver Fringe Festival with her longtime creative partner, Peter Abando. She can be seen playing Jessica Mulrooney in the Lifetime movie, Harry and Meghan Becoming Royal. And she also has a degree in psychology and philosophy, and has over a decade of experience teaching kids, teens, and adults. Um, Thanks for doing this. You're so welcome. Thank you for bringing me on. (laughs) Yeah. So what have been some of your career highlights as an actor, improv, everything? Oh, my goodness. There's just so many images that swirl in my mind. Um, I think the very first highlight was my first audition, (laughs) which was an audition for an improv group. And that was sort of what sparked me, like diving into saying yes to being an actor and taking it seriously. Um, And it was this improv group that I was following for a while. And I found out they wanted to add a a female performer. Back then it was like, let's add one female to this group of Of six dudes. (laughs) 
Um, be one. And, and I loved, and I found this out, and I didn't have much improv experience. I was very green as a performer, um, but it was like this thing nagging in the back of my mind that I needed to take this leap. And so I showed up to one of their shows, and I'd like indicated interest, but I showed up to one of their shows, which was at this little coffee shop in a in a suburb here in, in Vancouver. And um, uh, it's Coquitlam, because you know Vancouver, right? Yeah, I grew up in yeah, New Westminster. Yeah. Okay, so you know, so it was in Coquitlam, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I showed up, and I was like, I'm interested in auditioning. Let me know when they are and stuff. And they're like, Oh, okay. Well, you're going to do the show with us. <laughs> I like, what? what? <laughs> so I went. I was like, Okay. So I, <laughs> I did this hour and a half. It was an hour and a half show. <laughs> I did improv with them. I it must have been just a mess. I like have these weird memories from it. Like my adrenaline was like over oh, through the roof, but um, that was a huge leap. And I'll never forget it because making that choice to say yes and do it, even though I didn't know what I was doing, yeah. <laughs> um, was a huge highlight. Um, another was uh, bringing, I, I started a musical improv group. I started getting into improvising musicals and I, and the major highlight was getting them to New York City. And we, because um, I applied to this musical improv festival, which is so niche. Like, I didn't even know it they, existed, you know, yeah. it existed, right? And I was Googling, I was like, of course, New York has a musical improv festival. And I applied because we would just joke around that one day we would go to New York, but we just never thought that would actually be possible. And then I found this festival. I didn't tell the group. And I just applied because the, the registration fee was like 25 bucks or something. And uh, it's, a, it's a small festival, small theater in New York, but like well known in the improv community. Um, and and we got in and I was like, what? Um, but we had to pay our own way to get there. And so we like scrambled together and did an Indiegogo campaign. And because the story was just so amazing, like I we've told the story of like tiny little improv group from Coquitlam goes to New York City. Yeah. <laughs> we just, you know, uh, we fundraised super fast. We got, we were able to pay for everybody's accommodation and plane tickets. And there were 15 of us that went. So it was like pretty amazing that we were able to raise that much money and go. Um, and so just being able to be on a stage in New York that was a few blocks away from Broadway made us feel like amazing. It was one of the most amazing experiences. And then I guess uh, another huge highlight for me was uh, a year ago, two years ago, I produced my first two person show was it's just me and a piano player uh, on stage. And I'm improvising the voice songs and characters based on my insecurities and <laughs> my <laughs> inner critics and uh, and like my fun, sassy self, like all the different parts of me that make up me that just show up moment to moment, like just honoring what I'm actually noticing is coming up and sharing that with the audience and breaking into song, which <laughs> is like the most vulnerable project I've ever done. But ha being someone with a psychology background and I'm super obsessed with personal development and how we work and as human beings, it was just the most rewarding experience and also the level of connection I was able to have with the audience was like yeah that that was probably the that's the proudest thing I've ever made um it's and amazing. then the other high yeah yeah and the other highlight 
would be finally booking a huge, a big role on TV. Like it's something like I've been, I'm a creator. I'm a multidisciplinary artist. I love, you know, I think at the end of the day, my, my big dreams are to be creating big like projects that I'm directing and producing and in uh, of all different kinds. But uh, I've always been like trying to get up the ladder as an actor in like the traditional way, like getting in those doors with casting directors. And it's taken me a really long time. And finally it was like kind of getting more of a business sense on and working on like, you know, making sure I had the right team and finally like getting those auditions and breaking through doors. And I thought, oh, my first, my, I was booking tons of commercials and doing really well with that, but just TV and film in Vancouver, it was just a huge struggle for me uh, to get like in, which like I'd go to classes and teachers would be like, what is going on? Like you should be like seen. And then finally, and so I thought, okay, well, my first role on the network TV, it's going to be like a one-liner, like that's typically what happens. My first role in network TV was a supporting role in a TV movie about Harry and Meghan, um, you know, the royal couple. And I was, I played uh, Meghan's best friend, oh, cool. uh, Jessica Mulrooney. Wow. So, uh, which is kind of, was very cool. Where, so where other, other big uh air? It aired on Lifetime. Okay. Yeah, on Lifetime Network. So it's definitely one of those cheesy, like movie, like TV movies. For sure. Yeah. Um, but Lifetime's more like it's less. It's not quite as cheesy as Hallmark. But it's like kind of cheesy but dra dramatic. There's more drama in Lifetime movies. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So and they actually did a pretty good job of like staying true to the story, the actual story of Meghan and Harry and. Um, it was interesting, like, I, I'm not like, a, I wasn't a huge Royals fan, like before. Right. Um, but, but going through the process of preparing for the role and uh, learning all about them and what they were doing. And uh, it was really, it was a really cool experience. Um, and it was awesome to like, get that validation too. Like, I think we're all looking for that too, as artists, like as much as I give the advice, like, don't, you know, you got to find that validation in yourself because this industry is so tough. Yeah. Uh, um, there's still a lot of joy when you finally do get that external validation. Yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> when like you book a job, you know, you're like, okay, I'm capable of this. <laughs> All that work was maybe worth it. <laughs> okay, it's worth it. It's worth yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So those are the highlights. Yeah. What got you into this? What did what was your childhood like? Did you were you always performing? What what was your first interest? Yeah, I think the very first um, spark moment, I remember my parents buying me one of those tape recorders in the 80s that had like a microphone attached. It's like for like a five-year-old, like I remember being like four or five and I would sing into it in gibberish and record it and replay it back. And that was, I think, the beginning of me loving performing. Um and so through through my childhood, I, I was one of those kids, very lucky kids that had parents that were like, follow your dreams, follow your passion. Um, and so I, I grew up with that messaging and I, I'm so fortunate for that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, when I was 10, my dad noticed I was very good with music and I was taking piano lessons, but I was also pretty good at singing 
and he was taking singing lessons just because he he's a he was a periodontist um but he also always had like was artistically inclined and stuff and uh he asked the singing coach because she wasn't accepting kids under 12 and but he asked her to like meet me and so she met me and i was a very uh sh like shy very academic kid like i i was the top of my class straight a's oh, type yeah. of kid very interested in everything and thought like i want to be a doctor i want to be a marine biologist i want to be a singer i want to be a writer i want to like i want to be everything <laughs> <laughs> and and then the uh yeah so so she met me and she agreed to take me on as a student and then she actually recommended that i audition for a local touring um an international touring children's choir and I auditioned for that and I got in and so I'll never forget the first day like going into this nerdy choir of kids um, who all were musically gifted and singing together in harmony and the like tingles that went through my whole body was just I'd never had that feeling before and I was yeah 10, 11 10, 10 years old when, when I got involved in that and I was in that choir for about four years and we toured all over and sang and I even sang in Westminster Abbey. Oh cool. This is crazy. Um so that sparked it, but then I left that and um because I really wanted to play sports, multi-passionate person. And when I got to high school and this choir was like a huge commitment. So I decided to just kind of do children's choir uh choir at school and dabble in stuff. But I was always making plays in my basement, making my brothers like be in them um i was always like at school the projects person like i loved projects so if my science teacher was like you guys it's make a make a open like the project was open i'd go up to them and be like can i make a video project <laughs> i made so many video projects so there's like clues everywhere yeah um so that yeah that was probably the beginning for me yeah and then did you go right into it after high school or where did, no. where did you go? Um, so I think a big piece of my story, and it's funny, I'm trying to figure out what the core of my own story is when I, you know, promote myself and stuff. But what happened uh, when I was 15 was I watched my dad, who was like, he's like, he was like my hero growing up. Um, he, but he was also a periodontist and he was in a profession, like in hindsight now as an adult, he was clearly an artist clearly creative being and in the total wrong job. Um, he was very good at it because he's such a, he's such an empath and stuff, but he based, I watched him go through burnout and uh, so bad that he caught uh, the shingles virus internally along one of his uh, nerves in a uh, huge nerve, the phrenic nerve, which ended up causing uh, like chronic pain and partial lung paralysis and, uh, so I watched my dad go from like successful professional to a totally like he couldn't work at all. He which then led to a lot of mental health issues and this massive struggle with uh, uh, chronic pain. So I watched someone who was a huge light in my life totally lose it all. And it totally impacted my family, but it taught me a massive lesson like even if you try it, you go on a path to like, he wanted to, cause he grew up really poor and wanted to not have his own family live that way, which was why he wanted to become someone like in a, in a professional field like periodontics. 
uh, which is, by the way, uh, it's a type of dentist that deals with gum disease, if you're wondering. <laughs> I think it's something to do with dental. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not pretty to look at every day. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, and I was very deeply impacted by this. And it like solidified in me that I was not gonna, I w it wasn't worth it to, to just go along a path where I would get success and money just for the sake of that. And, and there's just so much messaging in school around making, making a choice like that. And, and I was like, I'm going to listen to my heart and follow my passion and whatever that is. And so when I, uh, but at the same time I was watching my dad as I was graduating high school, watching him really struggle with his mental health. And it was, it was hugely traumatic and everyone in our family it was, it was huge. And so I started getting very interested in our minds and how we work. So I, uh, being the academic student I was, took every class in high school so that I could have everything, every opportunity open to me. So I was like, maybe I'll be a doctor, maybe I'll be a lawyer, maybe I'll be this. <laughs> and I ended up choosing to go into psychology and philosophy at university. And I thought maybe I'll become a psychologist so I could help people who are in pain because I'm really good at listening. And, and I knew that I was, I always had people coming to me for things. And I was, you know, always liked supporting people in that way. And I had actually started developing a phobia of singing in front of people. And I feel like maybe part of that was because I had got, I was going through so much grief that I just couldn't, I didn't like have my voice anymore. Right. And uh, and so I went through university and did that degree and I kind of, I took the odd acting class and the odd, like, like I was, it was always this thing in the back of my head. Like you should perform, you should perform, you know, that's like how you feel. Like, but I thought, is that really where I could best serve the world? And I just had so many questions and doubts. Um, and then I met my now husband at university. I was involved in the ski and board club. Uh, so we like planned ski trips in Vancouver. <laughs> um, and we, when I graduated, we, we went traveling for a few years and I taught English um, in Taiwan. And then when I finally came back to Canada, because I had traveled, something kind of changes when you travel, I think it's risky in itself to do that and create a whole life somewhere else. I came back and the, my voice, my inner voice, that little whisper of like, you should act, you should perform. It was like crazy loud and I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I thought, okay, I, I just need, I need to somehow create a leap. And I had this thought of like, I remember that uh, this question came into my head of, if you're lying on your deathbed at the end of your life, thinking back on it, are you going to regret not getting acting, singing, performing a try? And like the answer in my head is a resounding yes. I will regret it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And that, and then that's what led me to that very first uh, improv group, like audition. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah. improv is all about taking risks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> did you, yeah. did you always, somehow were drawn to that or were you somehow fell into it? I, so, uh, if I rewind back when I was 16, I did like a film camp at Vancouver film school, learning how to make films. Yeah. And, um, of course, because my parents were encouraging of, of, uh, doing the arts, we had 
one of the first like decent digital cameras in the 90s. And uh, so I brought that camera to that class and I got became friends with the editor who was there working and helping all the kids like at, cut their stuff together. And he remembered me and he actually had a connection with the improv group that I auditioned for like 10 years later. Oh, yeah. um, and but that improv group had um, when I was a teenager had invited me to uh, do film work for one of their sketch show. They were doing like an improv plus sketch show. And so I filmed them. And so I knew, I knew about them. That was the first time I had seen improv. And I thought that's interesting. And I loved watching whose line is it anyway. And Wayne Brady was my hero mm -hmm. watching him improvise all the songs. I just thought it just blew me away. I would watch it every morning um, <laughs> before going to school. Yeah. I used to so see I theater sports a lot in Vancouver. Oh, you did. Yeah. yeah I've performed with them. Yeah. 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 They're, they're just amazing. Everybody, our improv community, improv communities are really cool. They're, there's just very warm and welcoming and a bunch of very weird people because they're all silly. Yeah. <laughs> the outlet to let all yeah. this out. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think another piece is I've always been a goofball, like ever since I was little, like there's just this, the hu humor is a huge value for me. And even in, uh, my relationships, I need, I think humor might be my number one right. requirement. My husband is hilarious and all the friends that I'm the closest with were, were silly. There's just this silly goofiness. I think it's this don't take life too seriously thing. Yeah. Um, and the idea of play, play, being, allowing yourself to play can really take you far. Yeah, taking risks is a big thing because, and also just sticking with it. Because if you mm. only play, you're not going to get very far. Yeah, like, I think especially it's... in the entertainment industry, you have to have a strong work ethic. That okay, I'm yeah. doing this no matter what, because yeah. you're gonna get knocked down a lot, <laughs> and us yeah, crazy it's... ones keep going. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love that you said that because it makes me think, oh, that's why it's been working for me. It's like my my straight A student work ethic has really taken me far because I always love projects and leading them. And I would get like 100 percent on all my projects because I follow through <laughs> and would do the work. But you can't you can't really do one without the other in a creative field. Like you have to let yourself play because the play is where all the creativity comes and where your genius comes out. But you also have to have that work ethic to 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 keep getting back up yeah. when it gets hard and and to like strategize about how you're gonna market yourself or how you're going to sell your show or uh even just like structure your time to like actually get the thing you're creating finished yeah that's why i love uh coaching artists on just finding out your why and your values yeah. and you know what you're passionate about and most people don't stop to think about those things but once you figure out oh. what your core why is then when those you know when you get knocked down it's easier to get back up because you know why you're doing it yeah you just connect to that deeper part of you I feel, feel like knowing your why is insanely motivating because I often get our artists coming to me and asking like, how do you stay motivated? 
And I'm like, well, sometimes I don't feel motivated. Yeah. Like I'll wake <laughs> up and I'm grumpy, but I still get up and I show up and I do my work. And it, and then I and I'm like, well, why is that? It's because I know what my why is, or because I know it's a deeper thing that's worth getting up for and working through. Yeah, because yeah. like you know, it would be so much easier if we all just stopped being creatives and got a real job. But yeah, <laughs> you know, but we something in us in creatives that we just have to do it and it's figuring out why that is and a lot of times it does come down to you know champ childhood or family experiences that drove you or mm-hmm. why that's at the the roots that makes you want to go down this path yeah totally the, the why do you, what what would can i ask you a question yeah sure <laughs> what's your what's your why my why is I have just always loved performing artists. And I think when I got down to the real core of it, because, well, yeah, why? You know, it's like, because you love this. Okay, why? And I think it was because as a child, I was so shy. Like, mm-hmm. you just look at me and I would hide behind my mother. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was so shy. But then I would watch all these performers. And just like showing their personality and their talent and singing and dancing and acting. And I just loved it. I was obsessed with it. I never really wanted to be them. Yeah. But I just needed to be around it. That's cool. <laughs> and I actually started out as a photographer. Um, oh, cool. And not because that was what I was wanting to do. I was, you know, in high school my counselor only cared about the people with high grades that were going to university. Mm-hmm. If you weren't going to be a doctor, he couldn't care less about you. So, <laughs> so it's like, oh, for you people that don't have straight A's in physics, um, do you want to be a teacher or secretary? And I'm like, oh, that's horrible. No. And so I literally looked through my Pat Benatar tour program. and uh, looked at all the job titles because I was like, I have to be in the entertainment industry. I have to. And I either didn't know what the titles were or it didn't appeal to me, but then I saw a photographer. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a photographer. I'd never actually had a real camera. (laughs) It was like, I love that. I want to be around performers. I'm going to be a photographer. And then I started getting good grades because when I was journalism and photography, I got good grades. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I went to school college for photography and but you know in Vancouver to make a living as a photographer you have to just shoot all kinds of other things besides yeah and I'm like I just I just want to shoot like actors and musicians and models and so I moved to Toronto and then I fell into being a makeup artist and the same thing I always wanted to do the video shoots with musicians and be on set and be backstage and finally I discovered obviously I want to be in the entertainment business on the you know in the inner circle so then I got into publicity and here I am Uh, (laughs) now coaching (laughs) I'm like you multi-passionate I can go on a million different things I want to do you got to rein yourself in (laughs) for sure and but it's interesting listening to your your journey and it makes sense in my mind like that you've you start you started with photography, then makeup. Like it's like the jumps actually make sense cohesively for you to go from photography to makeup to then publicity, and then realizing like because I I bet you realize in doing publicity 
like you're like, oh, there's a deeper, you want to just go deeper. You're like, okay, there's a deeper thing going on when I'm working with artists because mm-hmm. publicity brings up all kinds of stuff when you're half, you have to like ask, like, what's your story and how are you going to frame yourself? And yeah, you know, and a lot of times a publicist is the artist's kind of first person on their team. Yeah. You know, maybe before they even get an agent or manager or anything like that kind of publicity was the first kind of thing. And so you end up being a bit of a manager as well and helping them on and actually making a difference and helping them. Well, I can imagine because of that, you're not just dealing with publicity. You're, I said that really weird, publicity. You're dealing with, you're also going to be dealing with their like insecurities and emotions and uncertainty yes. and self-doubt. And so, and your job is to build them up. I've talked a lot of artists off a ledge when <laughs> if they get a bad review. <laughs> oh, geez. Bad reviews are the worst. Um, but even in that, like, yeah, it was, I mean, I've done it for 16 years, but even so, even that's changed so much. And I think that's what led me to coaching is because it's harder and harder to yeah. get press for the up and comers yeah. that I like to work with. Sure, if you're already famous and got a lot mm-hmm. going on, yeah, the media is there. But without that, it's like so hard to get now. So that's kind of where I was a couple of years ago or a few years ago. I was kind of, I didn't know where I was going to go. Um, I uh, am I going to be a photographer again? Because like publicity just wasn't fun anymore. I can't, you know, can't get anything. I want to be successful too. Uh, this is not fun. <laughs> like, and nobody's happy. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I kind of rebranded myself. I kind of gave up my company name, and I'm just going to put everything that I do on dianefoy.com and see where it goes. And so I kind of floated for a year. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe I'll do photography more and start doing yeah. photography and maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. I played with jewelry design and all kinds of things. And then, Oh, wow. And then at the end of the year, I did kind of go to a workshop on branding for artists. And, you know, she was really great at kind of saying, well, what, what can you do that would take the least amount of work, but get you like making money sooner and it kind of came up, well, I guess consulting is sharing everything I know. Yeah, because you know so much. But she was a coach, and I'm like, coaching? Huh. I swear, coaching was the light bulb, and, like, within 24 hours, I was in a coaching program, and <laughs> I spent a year, Amazing. like, taking every psychology and coaching program I could think of and find, and then just been kind of developing this program of kind of coaching artists on those fundamental things that the reason I can't take you on as a publicist right now is because you don't have all this stuff but now instead of sending you away I can help you I'll walk you through it I'll get you there in the end I'll teach you how to do the publicity yourself if you want to you know Um, but at least then and I've done that where I've coached an artist and then we went right into publicity she had her shit together. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you can't, yeah, you they have to have their shit together. And I think a lot of artists aren't, there's just so much, especially the level you're talking, uh, um, there's just so much you don't know. And then there's no guidance. Yeah. There's nobody <laughs> there to like tell you what to do. Don't get, <laughs> so if, you got to have professional photos. Okay. My friend's a photographer. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
a wedding photographer, but they'll get it, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You know, There's a lot of aimless flailing around. Yeah, and you waste a lot of time and money just trying to figure it out on your own. And then you, you're yeah. back to thinking of giving it up. So yeah. I'm, I'm loving, you know, coaching artists on, you know, I try to avoid the marketing talk, like <laughs> yeah. the word marketing and branding people well, artists are getting a little bit more okay with the word branding now but if like yeah. marketing copy for my coaching program I, I kind of hardly use marketing words yeah. and it, that took a while too to just like explain the benefits you know the benefits of each stage it's funny that you say that because I uh it's it's interesting listening to you because I feel like I'm in a similar boat to you in that uh uh, I'm, I'm learning about how that I'm, I, I'm a coach, but I'm still, I think I'm a few, about a year and a half behind where you're at, right. where like I'm, uh, in some, in a lot of senses, just figuring out what kind of a coach I am. Yeah. Um, and, and I've been taking all kinds of classes and I, you know, I've, I've been doing personal development work for years and so now like what I want to share is like the tools I use as an artist that work for me and from like just 15 years of like yeah. <laughs> my life. Um, but there is something that I'm noticing about, like, I love learning about business. I went, I, I love like I, words, business, marketing, branding, don't scare me, right. but I've always like even just in, in, in my circles, bring like coming in with too much of an aggressive business tilt or using the word, the wrong words. Like it totally turns people I off run away. in the arts world. <laughs> yeah. Money. Oh God. Oh. Don't even talk about it. <laughs> and in so many ways I'm the same way, like marketing I get, but like any other kind of finances, I'm like, Oh, I gotta run away. But I'm, Oh, I know. There's a coach that's an opera singer, financial coach. And I'm like, I gotta um, have him on the show, but it, even that yes. scares me. But he's he yes he teaches and coaches artists performers on how to get your stuff together with finances. So <laughs> we need people like that. We do, and we need people that are gonna teach us in a way that's not gonna be scary and terrifying. And I think, like, I wonder if part of it is. I, you know, I think about why is it scary to people? And I think it's um, the type of world we've been brought up in and what we think business act is and what we think marketing is. And it's, and we, there's this like story in a lot of artists head that that's inauthentic yeah. or it's not, it doesn't, it's actually just like complete opposite of what they do as artists yeah. and hippies. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually, when you realize what it actually is, what business actually is and what marketing actually is uh it's it's actually they work together really well yeah so. and i think for a long time in the entertainment business there were stories of actresses and singers that the machine kind of put out a brand yes. for them yeah it wasn't them and yeah. so even though you know, it's been a while since that's kind of happened. Um, or I guess I'm sure it still happens. Um, there's must, there's yeah. still that fear of that. And I'm always like, no, 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 no. It's just really getting to know who you are and putting that mm -hmm. out in the world. And that's going to mm -hmm. connect with people. Mm -hmm. And once yeah. someone connects with you on a more personal level, then yeah, 
I want to know what shows you're doing and what what your career is happening and what's going on there. Um, yeah. But without that, I mean, I've had I've worked with a lot of artists, a little bit more musicians than actors. That yeah. oh, I just want to create, and I say good luck mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> I know that's one of the ones that's so frustrating. They're like, I, I just want to create. I don't want to do the producing. Like in the theater world, you know, they're like, I just want to create things. I don't want to produce. I'm like, if you're the one actually creating whatever it is, the play, the like, you really need to be in the room if you're deciding on what you're going to, like how you're going to be marketing it. And like, you need to be there. You need to be the one writing stuff because like that copy or, or like with the people writing the copy, cause it's your baby. And so it's, it's completely connected. Yeah. 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 And so you've been producing a lot of your own shows as well, right? Yes. Yeah. I've, I've done uh boy. I wish like when I first started, like to have a publicist would have been amazing, <laughs> but I learned by doing uh, and learned about, you know, writing my own press releases and even like, and, and, and using social media and as social media has evolved and how to like, a lot of it, I, I realized early on that it's about the story. And so it's like, okay, what story am I telling? Um, and, and with publicity too, I was like, when I write a press release, I want to write something that's going to make whoever's on the other end receiving this about to put it in the news, like make their job easy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They just read it and they're like, Oh, okay. You're done. Um, and how much time that takes is insane by the way. So I've really like mad respect, (laughs) um, for crafting something like that. But then also I got, you know, there's one, um, one year when I was running, my the musical improv group their their name they're called off key um and i'm I'm no i moved on from with them but they still exist which is really cool to start something and have it still continue after you leave Uh, but my last year uh i really started getting interested in this the question of because sometimes you just want to create to create as an artist yeah but then you're you've also got to think about okay but is this for me or do i want other people to like (laughs) have it and so you end up or experience it. And so you end up with this question all the time of like, do I adjust what it is to serve the audience that most likely is going to come and watch it? Um, like, what are they going to want from this? You know, like try to get people to come see your show. And so I was doing improvised musicals with this group. And so I decided this one year to experiment with trying to create a show that still feels really fulfilling artistically and challenging artistically for everyone involved, but also attracts an audience. And so what I started, what I did one um, for Christmas is I was like, everybody's Christmas shows work well. Like (laughs) people go see theater at Christmas. Um, And so what I decided to do was I was like, okay, well, um, Love Actually is like a huge movie that people watch every year. And so I was like, what could I do? So I created a show called Love Musically. And we basically took the, took the format of that movie and, and then improvised, improvised a version of it um, every night, but it was also a musical. So I called, so I called it Love Musically. And that was the, one of the first times the light bulb kind of like it worked. Like I got the most press ever got interviewed on CBC. And yeah. like, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, when you create 
before then, and that was the first time our audiences were coming in that we didn't like recognize people because often in the theater world, it's not just all your it's friends. Like, it's all your friends. And this was the first show I produced. I was like, oh, everybody's coming. Like, I don't know these people. This is so great. And we were, we sold out the show because of that. Um, and at the end, like, you know, that clip in Lo uh, Love Actually where uh, I forget the name of the actor, but he's got the sign and he's like telling, um, he's got the sign and he's like changing the sign and he's telling uh, freaking, I'm forgetting everybody's names. Um, her, that she, he loves her. No, is, Pardon? is it the older guy singing or no? No, it's the guy that's got like the, Hugh he's Grant. got posters. He's got, not Hugh Grant, Grant, he's got posters. He's in love. He's like got the unrequited love. He's totally in love with, uh, oh, Kira Knightley. Oh, yeah, yeah. His character. And at the end, towards the end, he shows up at her door because he's been treating her like shit. And then he shows up to her door and she opens the door and then he's like moves. He has, he basically tells her that through a posters by moving the paper um, that he's in love with her. Right. In silence. Yeah. So we took that part and um, uh, I got the audience. We just asked the audience if anybody want, would like to like tell somebody that they're with in the audience a nice message uh, let us know and so at intermission they could come and make their own little posters and then stand up in front of the audience at the very end oh, cool. and share it and so it was like such a cool thing like just to merge these two things together um and yeah so it worked so it's because like the idea of nostalgia and um uh familiarity like audiences want to see things that are familiar to them or they want they get attracted by that so that's that was yeah one like big light bulb moment um and then the last show i did that year was uh we called it broad what because hamilton had just come out that year and everybody in musical theater land was like and it was just obsessed yeah. and so we kind of did like a period that era period piece um brought uh where we we dressed in like hamilton like clothes we didn't call it hamilton but we like took you know su made suggestions of it because we knew that was like the popular thing at the time so why not lean into that in in the work so and we still found artistic fulfillment um from doing that so yeah and it's you know, found a way to involve the audience which is great yeah because yeah at the end of the day when you, when i do think about what is it why am i making art I want to connect to people. So you do need to take into account your audience. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what is your why? My why? Yeah. Uh, so I feel like I've, I have two callings. Um, one is as a performer and a creator artist, as a performing artist, deep down, it really is a value of, connection like the feeling of connection to feel that uh on a really deep human level that like it's an awe type feeling when you really feel it and you're there with other people and it's like i see you and you see me and we know that we're here together like in a very existential way right. that's why i do it um and also because i believe that and this ties into my otherwise i i just believe that art and creativity it's it makes people think it makes people laugh it can shift a moment for somebody when maybe they're having a hard day and that I think is everything um it's uh it challenges thoughts and our our paradigms that we're in 
it uh, helps us understand each other. There's just so much. Art is just so powerful. Yeah. And, and you can tell the truth. And you can get away with telling the truth and calling things out through art that maybe you can't do in a conversation. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I just think it's powerful and cha- can change the world. And so then my other piece is I also, like you, want to help other artists and mentor them to get their work out there or to let their creative selves shine because I feel like the world would be uh, like millions of times better if, if more artists actually were able to get their stuff out there um, because of that. Yeah. Like I, I just think it's world changing and people create shows and plays and songs that are about like our environmental issues or social justice issues or, you know, you know artists, Artists want to have impact deep down yeah, and create change and make the world better. So like, I also have that why too. It's just like, I want the world to become better. I want more equality. I want, more, yeah. I want our, I want our environment to heal. I want like our mental health. Like I want people to be happy and not suffer or struggle with mental health. But there's just so many, so much pain. I want all that. I, I want to help with that. Yeah. And when people are in pain, what do you, I mean, what do I do is like, what do we I do? listen to sad songs and watch sappy movies. <laughs> yes we need like imagine the world without movies without music or without other people dance. do the opposite and maybe a thriller does their thing yeah <laughs> um, me i just wallow yeah. in my sappiness yeah <laughs> yeah well it also helps you feel like yeah. i think you know we're, a lot of people haven't been trained you know as actors we learn how to feel our feelings and use our in- our feelings and our in our instruments but um a lot of people haven't been taught how to do that and so, but what they can do is listen to a song that will help bring out, let them feel their feelings or watch a movie and identify with the lead character or the hero's journey, right? Yeah. Like identify that part of themselves with that and um, give them hope or, or make them think differently. And because, yeah, which, it, yeah, just brings in the whole um, idea of the psychology of all of what we do too in our selves and it's just yeah I think even like it really is a spiritual thing I'm not uh I don't identify with any specific spiritual um or like religion or anything but and and sometimes I hate even saying the word yeah <laughs> spiritual, <laughs> spiritual but I do think there's a spiritual that's like a spiritual reason yeah why I'm doing what I'm doing I can't even say that in my bio that like you you performers you artists like you can change the world with your talent and there's too many artists quitting because it's so hard Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. not really knowing how to make a living as a performer and so if I could have a, a way of helping them you know achieve that that's amazing it absolutely is it's like you're you're you'll be helping the world change on a massive scale by helping all these artists actually get themselves out in the world. And you change lives because um, like, imagine the, I just, when I go through my mind of imagining an artist, like there's so many people that I know that are brilliant, but they just lack a little bit of knowledge or a skill or um, they need to work on a mindset thing. Yeah. And a lot of that is like, I I know, like I'm all about coaching now, of course, because I'm doing it, but I'm also like, now I have two co- coaches and 
wow, you can accomplish things a lot faster <laughs> instead of yes, struggling for years trying to figure it out on my own. Like I was a do everything myself person for so many years and also didn't yes. have a plan. I was just go with the flow girl and oh, I think yeah. I'll do this now. And then I'll do this and never really getting anywhere with any of them. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah. Now, oh, it's, I wish I had discovered this earlier. Or I think I did. I had a coach once before, but it didn't work out. So it kind of tainted my thought of coaching, I think. Yeah, that was like me with going to therapy. It was like I, I, when, when I realized like I'd been through trauma and I tried to like do it myself by like, I'll go to yoga and meditate, yeah. <laughs> which were like helped for sure. And you need to, I, I actually think like if you're going to, uh, you, you have things to work through, like you definitely need to approach it from a holistic perspective. But uh, it wasn't until I found, you have to find the right person. Yeah too. And so every coach, you know, you, you need to find the coach that works for you. But I was a bit tainted by it because I'd found a few therapists and stuff. And I think probably because I had a theater or um, sorry, a psychology degree and very already really into personal development and just my awareness is pretty high um, that like, I, I kind of was like, there's certain sounds like narcissistic, but there are certain therapists I met and I was like, I think I can outthink you. And that's yeah, not a good no. thing. <laughs> You can't help me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I need somebody who can outthink me yeah. or see see me. Something, <laughs> well, see what I don't see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just got to know yeah. something a little bit more than you or be yeah. able yeah. to bring something out of you. Yeah. Or even it's just their energy, whatever. Like there's so much involved in finding that coach. Yeah. That right coach. And yeah, you're right. Like you can't. You cannot do it alone. The lone wolfing thing will only get you so far. Um, you, you do need to listen to your own heart at the end of the day and your own like wise self. But uh, human beings were born as social creatures and I, I do believe we're, we're born to evolve together. So, and it's evident when you like find the right people. Yeah. You just grow so much faster. That's part of, you know, what I'm coaching ours too is because there's a lot of times people come to me for publicity and I'm like, all you're telling me is that you're yet another musician with some music and really mm -hmm. nothing else going on. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but we know that's not true because everyone has a story. Everyone has, and it's just bringing that out. And when you start mm -hmm. sharing about yourself and your why and like, that, you get people to connect with you, then mm -hmm. I'm going to buy everything you, you give me, you know, they, that's how you get uh, lifelong fans that will support mm -hmm. all your projects is this, you could kind of share something more than just, I, I have a song. <laughs> yeah. Which isn't it ironic because it's fun because musicians and actors uh, and artists, they, their work always tells a story For sure. like the work yeah. like their story they're natural born storytellers but there's this disconnect when it comes when suddenly it's like you you slap on marketing or business yeah. or publicity onto it they're like oh but but it's actually the stories yeah <laughs> that that you need for that what's the story behind that song or you know or this thing yeah. that you wrote or how did you get that emotion as an actor you know what's the story yeah. behind that <laughs> Yeah, that gets me interested. And I, yeah, and so it's the same. It's the same stuff that 
uh, to help move you forward, like in a professional way. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what you do. What are you working on now? Like when you can't actually go do anything? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit grateful for the pause because it, it's hard to, cause I'm starting, I'm building an e-course and I'm pivoting my web, like changing my website and stuff. And it's hard to do that while also getting called for auditions and having to change my schedule and like, you know, so it's slowed down a bit. So I'm able to really focus on that. But at the same time, uh, I cannot spend too long without filling my artist cup. I've just learned that about myself. I'm an artist and teacher coach. Like I just, I need both. Yeah. Um, and so I do have a friend who, um, I just shot an indie film with she in, in the fall and early winter. And she contacted me with an idea to shoot a, an indie film, but like in isolation, like an isolation indie film. So we're going to experiment with, she's got a script and everything and we're going to be, so we're working, it's in the works and we're going to be shooting it like with our phones. Um, it's basically about online dating during pandemic so (laughs) so yeah so we we did a script read through on zoom and then uh, when we start shooting I'm going to shoot with my phone Uh, he's going to shoot with his phone it's just a two-person film and then we're going to send her the footage and she's going to send it to an editor and they're going to cut it together and stuff and we're yeah we're figuring it out so I'm really excited to be able to be resourceful and that I'm I've been happy that that is my main skill is I'm resourceful yes. and mm-hmm. I've gotten so much done and I'm an introvert. So I've loved this alone. Time. Yeah. But now I'm kind of so being res- called back to work and called back to, you know, socializing yeah. with friends and I'm like, Oh, it's over. <laughs> it's over. The break is over. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So much done. Yeah. So much done. Yeah. 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 Oh, I guess another thing I'll say too that I've been experimenting with is just offering free Zoom calls for people in my audience and community, like for artists. Uh, I've been doing, I just like, they're, they kind of come sporadically right now. I'm just experimenting week to week, but some of them are co-working sessions just to, cause I know artists are sensitive. They can get really overwhelmed um, by feelings, especially during a pandemic and isolation and loneliness and stuff. And so I've been trying to just build that connection and, and just for two hours, we work on something together. Just, we see the screen of each other and I, you know, we start off with a little meditation and then we get, we go on mute and we get to work and then we come back and have a little stretch and a little debrief. And then we get back to work for another hour. Um, so I've been doing those. I have a coach that does that. Yeah. They're great. I really love them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like those two hours you're forced to actually do all the stuff you're procrastinating on. yeah and it's crazy how many of them are like this was the most productive I've been all week <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's great yeah. so where can people find you online uh people can find me at jennifer pelak uh it's at jennifer pelak p-i-e-l-a-k pelak and uh on instagram and on facebook and on youtube and also my website is uh, jenniferpelak.com. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This is a lovely conversation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was really great to meet you and chat with you and connect on a very, very similar deep why. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if so, 
Can I ask you to do me a favor? Can you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, or there's a new option called Podchaser? It's not really a podcasting app, but it's a directory and kind of a social network for podcasting, which is pretty cool. You can follow your favorite podcasts, but also your favorite guests, and it'll notify you if they appear on another show. Check it out, Podchaser. There's a link in the show notes. And for links and transcript, visit singdanceactthrive.com slash 045. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 